Welcome back to Life's a Garden, episode 36. I want to start off this episode by giving another shout out to Dynamic Design. They're the ones who printed up our band t-shirts. And uh, I gave them a shout out last week, but it was at the end of the episode. I wanted to make sure I gave them another shout out to start this episode. So uh, these are the shirts they made. Very great quality. And they will be available for sale February 20th at our show at Craft Local, 7 o'clock. So get on down there, make sure you pick up a shirt and check out some good music. That's Dynamic Design, located in Laurel, Montana. Um, any, any merchandise you need, shirts, hats, they got it all. And they do a great job, really good prices. Go check them out, that's Dynamic Design. Now, let's get to today's guest. He is a returning guest. He is one of my closest friends. He has a master's degree in psychology. And I should mention he is a lifelong fan of the now world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Eric Wolf. Right, welcome back. I'm back. Let's uh, start it off with a congratulations, <laughs> world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How's that feel? We finally did it. I mean that because you're with me, right? That was your first Super Bowl. Well, I mean, like we won in 2002, yeah. I think, and that was like the first Super Bowl that I watched. Mm-hmm. It was before I really cared about football, but like, I mean, you know the story, so. I, you know, I lived in Cody, second grade, and everybody was like, the Raiders are going to win. And I had a friend who was a Bucks fan, and I didn't care that much at that point. But, you know, so I was like, no, the Buccaneers are going to win. And, like, everybody was arguing with me. And, you know, like, little second grade me was, like, hedging bets with the other kids and stuff. And I, but, but I went home, and I figured, like, I've obviously got to be wrong about this. Like, everybody in my class is saying that the Raiders are going to win. Like, I'm going to be made a fool. So I went to my mom, who was a big Broncos fan. And I was like, please tell me that the Bucks have a chance. And she's like, they don't have a chance. They're going to win. The AFC sucks this year, you know? Hmm. And so I was like, all right, all right. You know, and I mean, you know how that ended up. Like, yeah. they blew them out. Well, that's a very similar story to what I had, too. It was like, I, I just knew I didn't like the Raiders. I can't explain how I thought <laughs> back then. But, like, I wasn't even... I was like you, and I wasn't a huge football fan. I didn't really... I definitely wasn't a huge Broncos fan, as I am now, but I just knew I didn't like the Raiders. And yeah. everybody in class was going for the Raiders. And so I was just like, go Bucks! Yeah. You know, that's who I'm going for. And I'm actually shocked I didn't become a Buccaneers fan as well, but, mm-hmm. I mean, that was the first Super Bowl I watched as well. Yeah. I mean, it felt good, but not like this time, you know? Oh. I mean, this time, you know, I really cared. You know, I mean, I've got all these sweatshirts, I've got three jerseys, I've got all the stuff. You know, and but I, I had never, I mean, I've really, like, just about barely ever seen him really, like, make any dent in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of it was because we didn't have the quarterback, and, you know, kind of the same way as the, as the Broncos did with Peyton Manning, where it was just kind of like, well, that's the piece you needed, was an all-star quarterback, you know, and I, and, uh, I mean, just to have it finally happen. Well, and this, you know, of course, like you said, you saw it the first time around, but... 
this time around you are like a fan you know yeah you've, it really mattered this time is this the, this is the first championship a team of yours has won right that you've seen yeah i mean as far as like the teams that really really matter to me which really are just like the bucks and the avs okay, you know yeah. Um, this is, yeah, well, I guess... You, I mean, you know in basketball, like, I'm a Lakers guy. Right. And we went and we watched that that uh, that series between them and the Celtics where the Celtics won. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that the Lakers won the next year after that. Yeah, but I that's true. You know, I mean, you, you know, like, basketball, I like it, but I don't... It's not your... really like it. It's never really a destination. For sure. But, yeah, so that's... it's. You know, obviously, I got that feeling five years ago with the Broncos. So mm-hmm. it's just it's a feeling you can't really describe. Like just yeah. seeing your team finally win a Super Bowl or win any championship, it's like oh, and to get through teams that I'm just so tired of, man. Like I'm tired of the Saints. I'm tired of the Packers. It's silly to say I'm tired of the Chiefs because people have only been talking about them for one year. I am. Really? Well, I'm sure you are, <laughs> dude. You're a Broncos fan. But, like, we've really only been talking about them for one year. But, man, the one year. Like, I work with kids. And, like, even they're just like, Patrick Mahomes is the best. And I'm like, Patrick Mahomes has won one Super Bowl. I know. They can't get off his dick like, for I a rec- second. God, right? Like, I recognize that he's good. I'm not trying to take that away from him oh, yeah. or anything. But, like, even, like, the way that they were billing the Super Bowl with this, like, the best of all time versus the, the f- best of our time. He didn't even get a single touchdown. I know. I fucking <laughs> loved it. So, last, okay, the last <laughs> podcast, I recorded it before the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and I gave my, like, will-be reactions to, like, each scenario. Right. Now I can actually give my my yeah. piece on it. So, first of all, I just want to say they gave the Bucks no like the only the only um like what's the word I'm looking for? The only coverage they gave mm-hmm. the Bucks in all of this was Tom Brady. It's like Tom's back, like yeah. can he do it a seventh time? Like that was the only billing they gave the Bucks. Yeah. When I coming into this game, I knew the Bucks defense was good. They went through Rodgers, they went through Breeze. They're, they're just, we kind of manhandled both of them, yeah. too. And then, so, I I knew the Bucks had a chance, especially mm-hmm. with the defense. And they did. Like, they just dominated yeah. Patrick Mahomes. They said Patrick Mahomes had 500 yards of behind running. the line of yeah. scrimmage. Of, like, scrambling. Yeah. And so, <laughs> what, a, what a huge, outstanding performance by the defense. And Tom, Tom showed up and was being Tom. Mm-hmm. You know, I... Here, okay... You watched the full game, right? Of course. When, when uh, Tyreek or not Tyreek Hill, um, Tyron Matthew mm-hmm. was just jawing it up with Brady, yeah, mouthing off. We we all looked at each other and said that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he, there was 55 seconds on the clock before the half. I said to everyone, Tom's going to take this ball down and he's going to score on Tyron Matthew, mm-hmm. and he did exactly that. <laughs> Granted, there were some flags thrown and all the talk of oh couldn't do it without the refs the refs screwed the chiefs guess what the score was 31 to 9 that's how i feel too i mean the refs the refs weren't throwing and catching the ball they weren't pressuring uh mahomes yeah so it's like yes maybe there were some calls that were questionable it doesn't matter take them back they still win the game Mm -hmm. i mean i saw i saw questionable stuff on both sides i mean you could say and and i will say that some of the penalties that the chiefs got were pretty ticky tacky, 
you Especially know, that yeah. one where they kind of like tapped him on the leg and then he fell over and they made it a pass interference. Oh, with uh, Evans. Yeah, I, I mean that one was pretty silly. And I that mean, was but on I was that. Seeing, I was seeing a bunch of stuff. Like I was seeing the refs like giving the Chiefs like a yard and a half on their ball placements after you know after stuff. I mean, there's always little things, but like honestly, like the whole like. I don't like I don't like the outcome of this game. Therefore, refs bad is just like it's part of the game. It's an attitude it's, that just shows that you're a sore loser. Well, it's always been part of the game. You every game. every team always has to play the team they're playing against and the penalties. You know, penalties they, are part of the game. Got to play the rules. Yeah, you know, you got to play by the rules. If you're gonna if you if you're gonna take liberties, then you're gonna have to understand that stuff a lot of the penalties that they got were earned and after that the refs were watching them and as much as much as the nfl and espn and all the sports talks just can't shut up about the chiefs you're gonna tell me that the nfl went out of their way to make the chiefs lose right give me a break like they would love nothing more than for patrick mahomes and the chiefs to get another ring Mm -hmm. like they're the ones like they sell tickets so it's like it's the highest powered offense. And as much as they were just dominating the Chiefs offense during that game, yeah. Tony Romo couldn't take two seconds to get Patrick Mahomes' cock out of his mouth <laughs> to say a nice thing about the Bucks. Every time he'd throw a shitty throw, man, what an amazing throw. It was incomplete, but still, yeah. what an amazing throw. He really rocketed that thing. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, dude, <laughs> give some credit where credit's due. I mean, Todd Bowles built up a great defensive plan. Kudos to the Bucks, world champs. Mm-hmm. So feels good. Now we got to get that. Sec- we got to get that other one in hockey. It's happening. They're we'll see. Good. I mean, you know, we'll see. It's such a crazy year for the NHL right now. Right. Um, you know, I know. Like the last time that I came on here, I I got real cocky about being like, "This is our year," but. Honestly, it still was our year. We got, we had our third string goalie. Mm-hmm. You know, we had so many people get injured, and like, you know, I mean, I just got done talking about how lazy it is to blame the refs, and people can say that about injuries too. But I mean, you know hockey, and mm-hmm. you know that like every single game, your goalie has to be, if not the best player on your team, he needs to be like in the top three for sure. And to have a third string goalie in the playoffs, there. There's only so much that you can do. Are you, you talking know? about last year? Or? Last year. Yeah. And then, you know, this year we've had a bunch of, of injuries too, but now we've been, uh, you know, we've been, we've had a bunch of games postponed because of COVID. I was wondering about that. I saw like, I was going to ask you because I, I hadn't really looked too much into it, but I saw there was like a two week. Yeah. Well, we were playing against the Minnesota Wild mm-hmm. and for four games and after our third game, everything got shut down with the Wild because they got five players that either tested positive or... um were a close contact with somebody who tested positive. And they don't tell you which one's which. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to postpone those games. And in that time, uh, Tyson Jost got put on that list. And then right after that, Landeskog got put on that list. And now just like th- three or four days ago, Sam Girard got put on that list. So what's what's the protocol for all that? So, I mean, for the like specific players, they just have to test negative, you know, so many times before they can come back. Okay. Um, but when it becomes like a like a team wide thing, then they'll start postponing games. And it, for us, it was it was postponing the wild games was what was really was what really started happening because they had a, that explosion of cases. 
Um, so then they postponed our last game with them. And then when we started having cases too, then they decided to be cautious and wait to see what was going to happen with us after having three games with them. So are they going to make up these games then toward the end of the year? That's the idea. Okay. I don't know exactly how they're planning on doing all of that because it's just, I mean, there's, there's postponements going on all over the place. Well, you got to imagine they, they put measures in place knowing that this was a Mm -hmm. potential I just wonder, like, how much they can do before it becomes overwhelming. True. You know, and maybe they'll just extend the season further out, because it's a short season anyway. It's 52 or 58 games. I can't remember exactly, but, you know, so they'll probably just, like, extend it out. But Avs are on top of the standings still, right? Or uh, probably not, not sure anymore, we based are on anymore the... but we were. Yeah, based on not playing. We play it tomorrow, right? Yep. Okay. We're back tomorrow against the Golden Knights. We have four games with the Golden Knights, and that's going to be one to watch because uh, they're they're a little dirty. And you know, we talk about the injury thing, and um, honestly, like if there's one complaint that I have about our team, it's that you know we've traded out Zadorov. We've you know we Jared Bednar, the coach just has no interest in having a deterrent on our team to have anybody who is going to take the other team to task if they play dirty if a they goon. start hitting yeah a goon i mean an enforcer you know i mean we kind of right. have some some goons people say landeskog is a goon i think they're just jealous um i love that term goon <laughs> it is funny uh i would say comfort is a goon if you ever like watch like you'll see like <laughs> he'll go up and he'll hit a guy and then if you ever see the camera like the people will be sitting there shoving him and his face will be exactly this he'll just be like <laughs> and then he'll just skate away and like you know that pisses a person off like he looks like a he looks like a walking corpse yeah. when they're sitting there trying to piss him off you so know. it's just to get under to get under their skin, make them undisciplined, sure. draw some penalties. You know. Right. Well, you kind of need a guy to like. You need a guy to protect players and you just know, to inf- just show the other team, hey, we're not we're not putting up with that. Yeah. Well, and it's just like in basketball, you know, you bring the bench guys off to pick up the penalties and play hardball. Right. And because them not being on the court, if they foul out, mm-hmm. you know, it's not an issue. You want your stars to be able to stay in the game, but when you want to. Inf- put in some like some bumps and bruises you throw in your backups and make them throw some body shots you know Mm -hmm. yeah no and and that is a that's i mean it's a very big thing in hockey because of the hitting and everything you know it's Mm -hmm. it's you know outside of things like rugby it's like the roughest sport there is you know right and uh i mean they're running around with swords on their feet (laughs) yeah <laughs> and a club in their hand. Exactly. Well, I mean, their whole body is a whooping just stick. a weapon. Whooping stick. You just run around with their shillelaghs. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like we had a game where, yeah, I mean, like like two dudes simultaneously hit Sam Gerard, and you know Sam Gerard, like he's like this tall, pure muscle, but he's like this tall, mm-hmm. and you know they had two dudes come and hit him, and then Comfort comes up and starts like messing with him, throws down the gloves, they have a fight, and Comfort gets an instigating penalty for it. Hmm. And they get their offsetting five for fighting, but he also gets an, an instigating penalty, so then um, the other team who double hit Sam Gerard gets a pe- gets a power play for it. So the uh, so it's basically the rules have kind of put in place where they can't 
be as well, enforcive. Honestly, like it was, it was a weird penalty that nobody really understood because they th- instigating penalties are usually something where you rush up and you like go to fight that guy and the other guy's like, you know, like whatever. And you like usually what it takes to get one of those is that you throw down your gloves first before they do. But they threw their gloves down at the same time, mm. so it really shouldn't have been a penalty. It was the wrong call. But I know that the NHL is trying to move away from that era of hockey. Dom, just let them do it. And, like, who cares? You know, like the heavy, heavy hits. I mean, if you look at the hits that used to be, like, in the age of, like, Joe Sackick and, yeah. like, uh, Peter Forsberg and stuff, like, there was there was some monster hits that aren't allowed anymore. Right. And, like, it's kind of like a... It's, like, a, it's a difficult thing to balance because nobody wants our guys to get... Or nobody wants anybody to get injured. And that's what they're trying to do. Like, I mean, you know, like, if you're getting punched in the head, like, that's not good for your brain under any circumstance. True. You know, um, Calvert has been out. The reason why he's been out is because he has, like, some pretty significant issues related to concussions. Mm. To enough that when he's playing, you'll see that he's got a pink visor on. And the reason why is because uh, he's had so many concussions that the white light, or I think it's the blue light from the lights in the uh, uh, arena, bother him. So he needs to have these pink... Uh, visors to sort of like filter out that light. Hmm. Yeah, and, that's definitely not good. And like to me, I'm like, dude, like, I really like Calvert, but you need to stop, man. Like, how many concussions away is he from like pulling a Chris Benoit? You know, who did we? Uh, who did they just get rid of? Graves. Uh, I think we still have Graves. We got rid of Ian Cole. Cole, that's right. Uh, we just traded him. Yeah. Um. Any reason for that? Or fine. Just- I think uh, cap issues, oh. I think, was the reason for that. He might have been up on contract something, too. Mm-hmm. Might as well get something for him. Well, I mean, here's hoping to mm-hmm. finishing the season strong. The thing that's cool about our our COVID delay and all of that stuff is that going into it, we had Devon Taves, who's a defenseman that we have, mm-hmm. uh, who's absolute breakout star, like, insane. Um, he uh, He was injured. And Belmar was injured, and Calvert was injured, and of course, Nathan McKinnon, our all-star guy, was injured. And the last report that we got is that it is likely, it's not known for sure, but it's likely that uh, at least Devon Taves, Belmar, and McKinnon are going to be healthy for tomorrow. So this delay doesn't really break my heart. Kind of worked out. Like I said, the issue that I have is that these guys were getting injured because other teams were taking liberties on us. The one time that we stood up for ourselves, we got a penalty for it. And the times that we don't stand up for ourselves, it just gets worse and worse. And our guys get injured. We need an enforcer. I know that Bednar is moving away from that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to judge him. Like he's, he's a hockey coach and I'm a, you know, I'm sitting on a chair. Um, but he, uh, I don't know. I just, we're getting injured because we're not, showing people that that's not okay and we're about to go up against a team that hold that has mark stone on it and mark stone takes liberties you know for sure he's a big dude and he's a really good hockey player but he's dirty he just is you know there's always that team in any league that's mm-hmm. got those players and i mean that's kind of how the bruins were for a while weren't they oh the bruins are built on that they still have Marchand, you know and, I mean, they're built on that. The two teams that were built on, on kind of being a little dirtier are the Bruins and uh, the Flyers. Mm. <laughs> you know. 
Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. Like I said, like hockey's hockey's a different kind of sport. You know, you're allowed to you're allowed to punch people in the face. So just run into them. Yeah, you just you just end a guy. You just yeah. slam him into the boards. You don't like him, just hit him. But there's a level, you know. Brad Marchand licking people's faces. That's over the line. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> it's weird. It's gross. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> good luck getting away with that in, like, COVID era. Yeah, right. Well, now, yeah. I think there'd be some serious he'd probably He's probably getting now. executed for doing something <laughs> like that now. Yeah, by <laughs> Joe Biden himself. Yeah. Throw him in the chair. <laughs> so, um... Speaking of tomorrow, well, actually, when this comes out, it'll be yesterday. Yep. Valentine's Day. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this garbage holiday, but I did want... I don't know. I think it's all right. Yeah, now you do. (laughs) (laughs) It's a dumb holiday, but it is what it is. I just wanted to to take a second to tell my Franklin the Turtle story. I don't know if I... I'm sure I told you this. I'm sure you have, but it's not coming up. Okay, so, you know... It's it's funny to like think about in like elementary school when you used to make, you know, your Valentine's Day box and then mm-hmm. you'd make everybody a Valentine and put it in everybody's box. Yeah. It was kind of fun. Like that was they still do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like it it's just one of those things that stops at a certain point, you know. Yeah. But I remember it gets weird in about 6th grade. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still like kind of fun and that was the only time I ever looked forward to Valentine's Day it was like Ooh, I get to pick out, you know, my, either yeah. my, you know, Avengers, uh, yeah. Valentines or, and then pick the ones I wanted for my certain friends. I want the big one for my good friends. And yeah. I'd always like, I'd get like little suckers and, and the ones that had the most color in them were the ones that either went to the cutest girls in the class or my friends. But usually like that was the, that was the hierarchy of importance. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I never thought it. Well, what's funny is I never thought about it with like which girls get which. It was yeah. always like which of my guy friends are gonna get the cool yeah. ones. I was talking like fourth and fifth grade. Like obviously, like in third, second, you know. I, I remember having stuff. WWE ones like that, and then I remember having probably had football ones at one point, mm-hmm. and then like Power Ranger ones or something like that. Yeah, I always had like Pokemon, and oh, I'm sure Pokemon. I might have had that too. Like I don't know. Like you, like we said, there's only like so many years that you do that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Anyway, tell me about Franklin the turtle. Oh yeah. So, and <laughs> maybe you can assess this from a psychological aspect because this this kind of seems wracking. Well, it just seems a, like an odd thing for a kid. Mm-hmm. But so that if anybody doesn't remember, there was a Frank the oh, I remember this a one. book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just remembered now. <laughs> There's a book series, Franklin the Turtle. They made it into a cartoon series too, kind of like the Berenstein Bears, mm-hmm. where it's just like the adventures of this little turtle. Mm-hmm. And his friends, and uh, there's a Valentine's Day one where you know he's making all the valentines for his friends at school, and I can't really they get ruined because like it was raining or something, and he drops them in a puddle. I can't really remember, but all his valentines get ruined, and he's he starts to cry because of that. Like, and he's like really sad and like crying, and and I always remember. Reading that book and kind of getting a little like excited that he was sad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Take that, nerd. Yeah, I don't know. I was I was always just like, yes, Franklin, cry. <laughs> and I, and I wonder if maybe it made me feel good that like, you know, 
because if I ever felt sad or something like that, it was like, okay, like, I'm not alone. Like, other people cry too. I mean, it's probably something like that, but I mean... If, it was almost like I got say, a sick pleasure yeah. out of it. <laughs> well, and if you if you describe it like that, I mean, it does sound really messed up. But, like, you've got to remember, like, if you think about movies or just any sort of media with stories that you like, like, one of the things that always matters, coming from somebody who writes and, and has analyzed a lot of stories and stuff, one of the biggest things that has to happen across all media in basically anything that's not specifically targeted towards young kids is character death, hmm. you know, and, and stuff like that. Um, and anything that's not like a comedy, you know, I mean, you're not going to see a rom-com where one of the characters dies, but in anything that's like dramatic or even like stuff like fantasy, I mean, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a, like a fantasy story that's geared towards, adults or even like teenagers that doesn't involve at least a little bit of character death right you know i mean even lord of the rings has a bunch of it oh sure you know and so i mean i don't know i think that probably like what like what you're feeling towards that probably stems from the same thing like people don't always just want everything to be happy all the time for sure i remember (laughs) i used to have these books like these little uh like sciencey books about like animals and in space and dinosaurs and bugs and all this stuff and there was one where they had this little picture of a of a spider it was like it was like a cartoon like sort of drawing thing uh next to the actual photos and stuff of like this spider that was prowling up on a fly that was stuck in the web and, and the fly was crying and i had like the same thing oh. you know where i was just like hey, he's going to die you know Damn. like like you know, and like sort of like getting this like this sick pleasure off yeah. of his like despair enough that uh, there was one day I remember at daycare I was playing with my friend and we were playing spider and I was the spider and like we were and playing he was, spider yeah and he was the and he was the fly in the web and he was like pretending to struggle and I was like no dude you gotta like cry you know <laughs> and then he like pretend cried and I felt really good about it you know like hmm. it was like I don't know if it was like power I was gonna say a power trip maybe like I don't mean I don't really feel like you know because I was a little kid then like I don't really feel like I cared about having power over my friends at that point we've all gone through that sure probably not that young at least not where you can really mentalize it that way you know i mean we're we're boys we always want power it's, it's how men work um to some extent but yeah i mean it was just like this funny phenomenon you know i mean i was also the kid that would always be like chasing chasing everybody around and i'd be the monster and i'd eat everybody you know right <laughs> i mean i definitely remember playing games like that for as well mm-hmm. um i think it's instinctual like that kind of stuff you know like chasing like chasing the people around and and wanting to like you know be the monster and and kill them and eat them and all that stuff that probably like is part of like the evolutionary thing of of boys becoming the hunters and the warriors of the clan and all that stuff it's kind of just ingrained in our dna just from years of years of like you said evolution Mm -hmm. i mean everything comes down to what our societies looked like when we lived in caves and trees mm-hmm. you know just because it doesn't look like that anymore that's because we that's because like the frontal lobe smart part of our brain has out evolved our primal parts of our brain but 
I mean, still, like, every instinct that you have, anything, anything that's something that can be attributed to more people than it can't, like, even stuff like uh, attitudes towards attractiveness, like, I can explain all of those things down to a scientific level, even if it's something like, I don't want to get, like, sexist here, but, like, a lot of times, like, if you just think about, like, things that men like in women, and we're talking just carnal here, you know, because we're talking about evolution stuff, things like big boobs, you know, there's a reason why men like that. And it's not just because, like, they're cool or whatever, but it's because it shows that the woman likely is well-nourished and is going and has a body that is going to be able to support carrying a child for nine months. And even though you don't look at it like that from a mm-hmm. just basic standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I don't look at a woman and go, that person could really bear a child for me. Yeah, exactly. You know, but- which would be... really weird but like your primal parts of your brain like that's exactly what it is because in the end all that any animal is is a conduit to like spread the seed or accept the seed and extend the species further yeah you know it's just the primal aspect of your brain that you can't really explain Mm because when you see you know an attractive mate whether that's you know whatever you're attracted to yeah you can't, you don't, you just sit here and say, you know, damn, they're good looking. Like, I'm attracted to them. Mm. You don't sit here and explain why. Yeah. Well, you can't, you, you can't can explain say, like, why. What is attractive about them? But unless if you're, like, going to be real honest with yourself about what sort of primal things are the reasons why, you're just going to say, well, I just like it because I do. Yeah. You know, I mean, most women enjoy men that have, like, toned muscles. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're not going to tell you exactly why, unless if they really, really know about the stuff that we're talking about here. But they're just going to say that looks attractive. Abs look attractive, but of course they do. We're the hunters and the warriors. Well, of the, the clan. protector. Yeah. yeah, you know, like we can protect them. We can protect the children. Mm-hmm. I know that society is not built like that now. Plenty of women can protect themselves just fine too. But that's because we don't have to worry about saber-tooth attacks, you know, and stuff like that. And women could protect themselves from that, too. But usually that was just something that was more expected of of men back then. We've come a long way, society-wise. Yeah, on a social aspect, but you can't change biology. You can't change biology. But, I mean, in a lot of the the change of attitudes comes from what I said earlier. Our frontal lobe, the the higher-level thinking part of our brain, has out-evolved the rest of that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know? Um... Yeah, and as far as, like, what you said, as far as changing biology and stuff, like, you know, there there's definitely, there's definitely, there's definitely truth to the fact that men generally have greater upper body strength, and that's where a lot of that stuff comes from, the being the warriors, being the hunters, being the protectors and stuff. Back in those days, that's what it took, you know, because we threw rocks and pointy sticks. Yeah. You know. I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's just how things were. Um, I'm glad that we actually got into the psychology aspect of things because one thing I was thinking about from the last time you were on the show is I feel like I really dropped the ball (laughs) on not exploring, you know, just that realm of topic because you are a major or a a master in uh, psychology. Yes. Just about, I don't have the degree yet, but I have all the credits. So, you know, I mean, basically all I have to do is graduate and then I will have a master's in psychology. So what I want to do is, bring up a couple topics that are relevant to yeah. just the world today <laughs> and kind of get your thoughts from a psych 
psychological aspect, mm-hmm. and then you know discuss certain to- like these topics as well. I got just you. open it up for discussion. So mm-hmm. the first thing I want to talk about is the obvious big one being COVID, mm-hmm. and this this whole the whole year 2020 was basically a, a huge psychiatrist wet dream essentially you <laughs> well, know when it well when it comes down yeah. to it as far as like it was a huge psychological experiment that we weren't you know planning on it being an experiment it's but now it is extremely interesting like interesting for the realm for sure yeah so yeah. what i want to what i want to kind of explore mm-hmm. what do you think are the psychological impacts of just the the shutdowns the whole thing the shut between the shutdowns the fear of you know, death, the fear of disease, contamination. Yeah, like yeah. what are the social or the psychological impacts mm-hmm. that are going to come from all this? Yeah, so on, on a broad, you know, on, on like the wider spectrum. I feel like we don't see it a lot here, you know, or in you're not going to see it a lot in like smaller areas, like more where, rural areas where things didn't change much. But in like big cities where people literally shut down and didn't work for months, and they're mm-hmm. still dealing with with like being locked down in some sense or having mm-hmm. to deal with high intensity um restrictions yeah what do you think the psychological impact of that is do you think it's going to be long lasting do you think it'll kind of just die out as things get back to normal mm-hmm. Thoughts. well okay so before i answer all all of that i just want to say that um you were talking about human behavior, so although I do have some level of expertise on what we're on what we're talking about here i'm not going to say that the stuff that that I'm going to say on it is like law by any means. Everybody's different, you know? Um, There's a lot, I mean, there's a lot to unpack from what you just asked. Um, As far as like where we're at now, um, I think that it's pretty undeniable that uh, isolation in regards to the shutdown stuff specifically uh, does have a lot of effect on, on the human psyche. We are a, we're a social animal. Uh, and we always have been, even back in the times that we lived in caves and trees, we were, we would create communities. We would create hierarchies. We would have romantic relationships. We would have platonic relationships. It's not easy for humans to be alone. And when we are alone, as, as we have seen with the shutdowns, it causes a large uptick in depression and anxiety, um, you know, the suicide rate has certainly gone up, you know, and statistics have shown that. Um, I think it could have been a lot worse if we weren't in the day and age that we were in, that we are in. I mean, we did have a lot of stuff at our disposal during this time with all of the different things of video chats, even phone calls. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of stuff that you can still do over the internet. You can play video games with other people. If you're not into that, you can read books together over Zoom. You can just talk. There's plenty of ways to play board games with other people online. You know, just, I mean, pastimes that are just as easy to do right here on a table are just as easy to do online. But it's it's that intimate, like, face-to-face contact that, that makes it, or that has made it very difficult for people. Um, and I think that as far as like that, that specific thing, I don't know how long lasting those effects will be as, um, as we get past this, uh, and, and everything opens up. I think that a lot of that stuff is going to just kind of go away. Um, however, the fear of, of, uh, like contamination and everything that's con- that's gone along with this, I think is going to be long lasting. I mean, we've been doing this for, 
here in Billings for about a year now. You know, I think the school, like my school that I work at shut down, um, I'm pretty sure like early March. Okay. You know, so about a year. Um, and we've been doing the masks and, and the distancing from one another a lot. But I got to tell you, like, I'm watching the Star Wars movies right now. And, like, when I when I see, like, two characters talking and they're this close to each other, like, I have this feeling in me where I'm like, yo, you want to, like, you know, put a little space on? You want right. to maybe mask up, you know? Because I'm, like, I'm starting to get used to it. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm wondering about is, is this something that you think a high majority of the population will be dealing with? I think it's going to be tough to drop it at first, especially for people who uh, have concern or have like health issues that make them really concerned about this or um, uh, are are like, are are close to people that are like that, you know, because I live with my grandma. She's got a lot of issues. She, she's beaten it, which is pretty cool. Um, At least the, you know, the regular strain or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say a whole lot about the new strains. Um, but she's beaten it. Um, we were able to keep it away from her long enough that she was able to get the uh, antibody treatment, where they basically just oh, infused yeah. an- antibodies into her, and I think that really made a big difference, which, like, f- for people who are upset about the lockdown, like, that that's what we got to understand. That's why we did that, because we were able to delay widespread infection long enough that people like my grandma were given a solution that was going to make it more likely for her to be able to beat it. It was never about stopping COVID from happening. Hmm. It was just about not having it just completely blast us when it first started um, in the beginning of last year. I think a lot of the ups, like, obviously there's a wide Mm -hmm. range of people who have opinions based on right how things went down. I think the majority of people who were upset about the shutdowns were mostly upset about how long it went. It's right. still technically like we're only In just places. starting to come out of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I wanted to also ask: Do you think there's going to be an uptick in agoraphobia as well as? Um, I think it's going to take some germophobia. Obviously, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think it's well, and and just to like finish what I was saying about the contamination thing before we move to agoraphobia. Um, I think that for a lot of people, it's just going to feel weird to go back to normalcy as it used to be or whatever we're going to be able to do to attain normalcy uh, as we as we move towards it. Because, like, right now, it's basically taboo to be really close to a person without a mask on. And even if you don't necessarily agree, like, the social stigma of, of not doing it is very uh like easy to feel you know so most most people just do it and it's going to feel strange now we've been doing this for a year and this is kind of what we're used to now so it's it's going to take some time and and i do feel like a lot of people have this sense of just like you get away from me like other people are gross now even though when this is over you know, barring an, another pandemic happening right on the heels of it or something, we're basically going to go back to where we were at with influenza and like the common cold being the major, uh, like common afflictions, you know, but it's, it's going to take some time to get used to, um, agoraphobia. I mean, I think for people who were introverts already that pushed themselves to go out 
got an, got a real excuse to not do that anymore. Got an excuse to to you know like recede into their shells mm-hmm. and um and not push themselves anymore. And when this goes away, then they're not going to have that excuse anymore. And I think it's going to be hard for introverts and for people who already have a hard time in public places. For extroverts, I don't think it's going to be tough at all. I think it's going to be easier because we're going to be like, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to be like, yes, finally! You know, we get to... I think people are going to get a big appreciation of, you know, just the social life and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people got a big appreciation as to like what they've had all this time. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to ask too about, um, fuck, of course I forgot. (laughs) Um, how long do you think it will, it would take for the mass majority of people to be comfortable again? Um, like I said, it'll be different for everybody for, for everybody. Um, how about this? How long do you think it would be before everyone's back to bef- like feeling the way, the way that it used to be? Yeah, I think that it's gonna it's gonna depend on some factors, man. It's gonna depend on how how well we can get the vaccine to roll out. You know, mm-hmm. um, the plans were not great before. I know we've got new people that are trying to make different plans. We'll see where it goes. I have no idea, um, but I think that if 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 we're you know if we're able to see on TV reports saying that the vaccine is widespread and it's working, then it's going to be significantly less. But if we get a whole bunch of people vaccinated and then they turn around and say it doesn't work for the South America or the South Africa variant and that's still running rampant, then it's going to take a long time. Sure, you know, um, it's going to be how well vaccinations actually work and you know, seeing real statistics showing that cases are really, really diminishing. Once that happens, I think that it's going to be fairly quick. People want normalcy. Everybody, you know, even the introverts that I talked about receding into their shells, they don't want this. Right. You know. One thing we definitely saw with the shutdown and people not being able to work, having to be stuck inside and being on the computer all day... (laughs) So is they got to start focusing on insane. Well, left to okay. So people left to their own devices <laughs> without social life, without you know being able to go to work and just spend right. spend most of their day occupying themselves with something else. They apparently mm-hmm. just love to get into conspiracy theories and just God, the wild. Huh? Well, think about it. From in the whole year of twenty twenty. How many conspiracy theories can we count? Yeah. QAnon. QAnon started a long time ago. Well, yeah, but it started in 2016, but it certainly rocketed up. But you got to remember, too, for that one specifically, if we're talking about the conspiracy theories that led to the attack on the Capitol and all of those things, it's twofold for that. One, they were left to their own devices to look at their computers. Two, it was the government telling these people to do something. So it already, I mean, that is like, that's the conduit for these people to start feeling like this stuff is true. I agree right. with you. Don't get me wrong. But they were, but they were able to sit and fold, but they were know? able to sit and like, you know, kind of become this like group of people. Well, just like sort of like suck it in. And oh then yeah. Well, you have when you, when you just drown yourself in like in, insane conspiracies 
all day, mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're bound to go insane. Right. And and that goes for, you know, the alien stuff. I mean, we, we, we got alien conspiracies. We got, you know, government conspiracies. Just endless supply of conspiracies. There's definitely been, like, a, a real... It, at least it, it feels like there's been a lot more of that stuff. I mean, I do think that the people that believe that stuff already... B- really started to feel empowered mm. and not like just over the past four years i think i mean you know where i stand on politics sure you know but i i mean i do think these people were being empowered i mean we had we had the leader of the free world who would not denounce anything you know he would he wouldn't even denounce white supremacy these people got to got to a, a place where they were starting to feel empowered and um um so they became more vocal but like i said with with the addition of the government placing very strict uh um god i can't talk like very strict restrictions on your life um if people didn't believe that it was to protect other people then it felt like government control. It felt like, you know, the big bad, the big bad communism thing was finally actually happening. You know, and when these people were already empowered, when they were vocal, um, they were given platforms on Facebook. Uh, they were given platforms on Twitter and even more so on places like 4chan, which is unmoderated, which means you can put anything on there. You can, I mean, I've seen, I haven't been on there, but I've seen like, like screenshots and stuff of like people posting pictures of like children being like duct taped and roped to co- like columns and and crazy stuff trees, yeah. um, basically dark web. Yeah, I mean, per- like about as close as you can get, you know. And then there was other things that were being made to give those same platforms play. Like, and one of the biggest ones, I don't know if you heard about it. I think we may have talked about it. Was uh, the social media website Parlor, mm-hmm. um, which was unmoderated uh it was billed as like a free speech platform which i mean i think is cool but there's there has to be a level and actually the ceo according to something that i looked at um the ceo did want to put in a basic moderation algorithm to censor neo-nazi propaganda which i think everybody can agree with is a bad that neo-nazi propaganda is a bad thing that if it's not controlled can lead to some serious problems but the board of parlor when he when he suggested this basically stripped him of all control of the platform because they didn't want to have that restriction on there i mean you could count you could chalk that up to just it does seem crazy. Like, it does seem odd that they wouldn't want that on there. But it's like, I guess you could chalk that up to, you know, once you have a restriction, like, when does it end? Mm-hmm. I think it was just this big drive to want to be opposite Twitter. Here's my thought on social media. I think, I definitely think you have to have restrictions in place of things that you can and cannot say. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to have that governed by, you know, because they need to do an amendment to basically the first amendment to add online like media like online media or online mm-hmm. chat formats things like that oh. because as it is now they operate as um just 
businesses. You know, like they they can and they can say they can tell mm-hmm. you what you can and cannot say. Yeah. And basically, it it it's not good because they can essentially you know decide what you can and cannot. Well, see. you gotta you gotta have like we, we gotta we gotta make a distinction here. The First Amendment protects your freedom of speech from the government, from the state. That's it. These these companies, Twitter or and and all of them, mm-hmm. they are private companies. Yes. They they do have protections in place for themselves, um, such as uh, Section Two Thirty, which basically keeps them from being considered publishers of what people put on their websites and and, it, and it's an important thing for them because if they don't have that then if you put on something if you put something on twitter that's illegal then if they are publishers then they are responsible for that and section 230 keeps them from being responsible for that and i think that that's the correct way i, I to can go. agree with that but I mean, it does make it to where, like, yeah, they are perfectly and completely in control of what they want to have on their website and what they want to not have. However, there is nothing in the Constitution and there is no law that that says that they can't do sure. that but because they're not the state. I yeah, no, I I hundred percent agree. Like as it, as it stands right now, it's in their right to do that. Mm-hmm. But don't you think that they're they've become so powerful of a media outlet? Mm-hmm. It, just in the social aspect that it it almost is dangerous to have it that way where they yeah. can just essentially like in any sense just distribute mm-hmm. the information that they want you to whether that's no matter what information that may be yeah i you mean know, you've seen it think about it in the hands of somebody really bad mm-hmm. this could it could turn sideways really quick right well i mean you've seen that you've seen stuff with facebook um not only refusing to take down dangerous propaganda, but also incorporating it into their algorithm so that people who uh, would be interested in looking at potentially dangerous propaganda, it's delivered to them. Yeah. You know, and that is dangerous. But, I mean, I, I mean, and you're kind of talking about the other side. You're talking about, well, like, what if they decide to censor things that... Um, you know, might be damaging to them, or they want to uh, like control uh, the dialogue and well, stuff. Me, I mean, it's just like let me give you a scenario. If Mark, mm. let's just say Mark Zuckerberg was accused of something insanely, you know, terrible, mm-hmm. he can essentially control that nobody hears that. Yeah. Well, I think a more localized threat would be something more like um, uh, he makes a deal with an enemy government like russia sure and and i mean we already know that russia is really really putting a lot of resources into uh uh like cyber attacks and attacks and and just campaigns over the internet we saw it in 2016 we saw it in 2020 we see it every day all the time um and so if he makes a deal or if they get some sort of you know blackmail stuff on mark zuckerberg then then he can control uh, all of that, and he can potentially allow a foreign government to have some real influence on us, and and it is dangerous. It's kind of hard to, it's a hard thing to combat because I mean honestly, the best way that you can combat it is just by saying no more social media, done. See, I think the best way to do it is to have a regulatory commi- a regular 
Tory committee mm-hmm. that oversees. And that's what I was just about to say yeah. too. I was going to say like the easiest way is to get rid of them, but we're not going to do that. It's not going to happen. Even if you were to get rid of all of them, more would just come back, would come back up. So yeah, I mean, what, what you're saying is what I was going to say is that I think is potentially the best solution, which would be to have a third party that controls it. And the third party, the thing that's tough about the third party is who do you want it to be? Well, do you want it to be the government? See, that's where things get problematic as well. You can't really... Like, it needs to be a government entity... I don't know. Like an FDA type, you know? Mm-hmm. But but it's... I mean, anything that you're going to... Any answer that you're going to give to my question here yeah. is going to be open to corruption. Exactly. Because it, it, could, it could be a government... In or like a governmental thing, then it's going to be subject to the government. Even if it's something like the FDA, where it's supposed to be completely, that does not stop people from putting in people who um, are going to do what they want. We see that with the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is at at its core is supposed to be nonpartisan. Can you remember the last time that anything about the Supreme Court was nonpartisan? Yeah, exactly. It's like the most partisan thing in the world right now. I think in order in order to be a judge, you should honestly be forced to be independent. Mm-hmm. Like you should honestly like forego yeah. all all you know political well, that's why beliefs. They're supposed to be vetted yeah. so well. And honestly like I can tell you that I had like I personally, given where I stand on politics, was really really nervous about how the Supreme Court was going to act related to the election and all that stuff because he got to because Trump got to put in three, mm-hmm. you know, and and a lot of them seemed like they did not have the capability to put their personal politics aside to uh, uh, do their duty to protect the Constitution. Um, and they they proved me wrong, you know. They they actually did really really well. So I mean, the vetting process, I guess, in the end, I still am not crazy about at least the last two judges that were put in. Um, I guess the vetting process worked well enough to keep it from becoming uh, another partisan entity in the government. So I can appreciate that. But you know, with this committee, so let's say okay, so let's say it's not a government. Uh, thing the the committee to oversee the social media stuff that we're talking about. Then what? Then what is it? Right. Because if it's not going to be governmental, if it's going to be a powerful entity, then it needs to be corporate. And I and think that, I would rather it be governmental. It's honestly, just, well, <laughs> you know? and even if it so, but even if it was a corporate entity, what's stopping the government from you know? Hmm. playing lobby you know yeah with them to well in either way like i mean no matter what corruption is is imminent corporate corporate is you know i mean in in my view i think corporate is even more corrupt you know corporate that's well yeah entities really care about their own things and even if you kind of like try to make a wide swath or whatever um they're they're gonna have their own interests you know and they they can be contacted by the Russian government, the Chinese government, just as easily as um, Mark Zuckerberg can. Yeah. Um, we kind of like we kind of do- dove into the next thing I wanted to talk about already a little bit. <laughs> so I'll just kind of intertwine it within this current conversation, based on a psychological aspect that we're still sticking on. Yeah. 
what and I've been very you know vocal about this on the podcast several times. Mm-hmm. What do you think there's? Is, do you think there's a, a legit psychological impact to media? And this is this covers social media, mainstream mm-hmm. media. Like, do you think there's a legit psychological aspect or um, impact rather that the media inflicts on the people from a I almost want to say fear aspect. Absolutely. On on all sides. And you see in I mean you see this. You see this with everything. You see it on both sides. You see it from cable news, you see it from social media news, you see it from everything. Like the I don't necessarily want to just just make it about fear either though. Fear and you, you know like us and them attitudes. Yeah, just like the Divis- or divisiveness. Yes. yes. Um, all together. Fear, anger, yeah. Just anxiety. I mean, the, the fear one specifically is a big deal, though. And, and you see it on anything. If you see... I mean, you could look up an article about just about anything, and it's it's going to be billed as something that, you, that should be feared, or something that you need to really, really pay attention to at, at the very least. You know? And, and a lot of that just comes from the fact that the media, in any form wants you to come back. They need to make money. Yeah. You know, so if they say this isn't really a big deal, then they're they're kind of also saying that you don't really need to pay attention to it. And that's not good for business. So everything has to be billed as something that you need to pay attention to. You know, I remember thinking six years back that um, North Korea was going to blow up the world. And you couldn't really find a report saying anything otherwise. But it looks like right now, so far, everything is okay. Yeah. I don't know for sure. I don't, you know, it seems like we got pretty hands-off with them, so I don't know if if they got what they wanted and now they have more power. Um, I know that they are a nuclear power now, which I don't think is a good thing, but they certainly are now. Um, But yeah, you know, the fear thing is very much like like a marketing ploy for them, but it does have an effect. You can say that, you know, when we're talking about the QAnon stuff and we're talking about the things that happened uh, with the storming of the Capitol and stuff, that's all based on fear. I I looked a lot because um, if I'm going to be a person that talks about this stuff, then I need to be a person that sees that that looks at both sides. So I actually looked at uh, Donald Trump's Twitter a lot and I looked at the comments. I didn't really care about what he was saying a little bit, but more than anything, I looked at the comments and the amount of fear in in the people that that were really really wrought into it is is very evident these people believe i mean the the uh the very specific strong qAnon stuff is like almost has the aspects of a doomsday cult um with them believing that you know i mean the central the central aspect of the qAnon conspiracy theory is that um Hollywood and mostly the Democratic politicians are part of a New World Order satanic pedophile cult. Yeah. And you can't tell me that we're not preying on people's fear. Most of those words that I just said strike fear into people. And so when they see that that this satanic pedophile cult is now taking over the government, they are afraid. They don't necessarily show that but the re- I mean you don't show up at a place with guns chanting to kill people if you're not afraid of those people 
Right. You know, so it it very much is a powerful psychological thing. And I don't necessarily mean to just keep picking on the one side. Well, but... I, was, I was actually going to lean it to the other side just mm-hmm. from something I was thinking in the aspect of, like, the racial division being, you know... If you constantly, well, let's start. Let's just start with the rioting in general. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to say one way or the other whether, like, whether I agree with it or not. In the end, when you are just showing that, it's just like with you know these um, school shooters. If you give them the attention, you give them a platform, you're... then they're then they're gonna like. Well, I know I'm going to get on TV for this. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, you're, you're just broadcasting these riots in, in one area. Well, guess what? Then they spread like wildfire all over because everyone's right. like, hey, look at that. You know, like, we, mm-hmm. let's, let's do that too. Yeah. But digging back to it, a little bit of the racial stuff, if you – and I'm not saying yeah. – I'm not going to sit here and say that black people have not been dealt a bad hand. Of course they have. Like that's that's evident. Well, that's probably a, a, an important disclaimer to put in here too. Is that the protests and and the yeah. things the things that happened that caused the protesting were real issues that need to be combated. Now, but rioting. We're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about some of the more extreme things that yes. happened during the protests. Sure. It's yeah. An no. Important exactly. Disclaimer. Of course. N- but anyway, what I'm saying, like. I'm not I'm not saying, you know, there's not racial division. I'm not saying that there's not reason for um uprise and a need for change. Yes. But when you constantly tell a group of people that they are less that they're being kept down, they're, you know, there's a there's this overpowering entity that's keeping them down and they're it's always going to be that way. They're always they're going to feel that you know what I mean? Like, if you're constantly telling them, "Hey, the man's keeping you down," it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, mm-hmm. poor, rich. What you know? If you're well, poor people too. Hey, the corporations are keeping you down. Well, if you constantly are telling people that, they're going to fe- they're going to feel like that. Mm-hmm. For you know, yeah. I mean, I, it's let's, kind let's, of let's put it on the opposite side. If you told people, "Hey, you know." positive stuff if you always told people hey there's always a better future for you just work hard you Mm -hmm. know persevere then they're gonna feel that energy and they're gonna you know i think the problem like if we're gonna talk about like what you said corporate wise the problem is that you can't give me a whole lot of proof about if you really work hard you're really gonna make it i know it does happen but it's a lot more likely that you're just gonna get crushed well i just feel like I, I understand it's what you're a, saying. If you if you project positivity onto people, they will react accordingly. Same mm-hmm. goes the opposite way. Mm-hmm. If you constantly are telling people negative things about who like the way they've been brought up, the and and I don't completely disagree with all of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying with the media is constantly telling you, Hey, your group of people has been held down forever and mm-hmm. there's and it's never gonna change. Well, that's how they're going to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, I mean, it does become a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I mean, if it, it, it's not about the, when, when it came to that with the, with the black lives matter stuff, it was not about that. I, I mean, I know that like, that is an effect that comes from it, but it, it's about highlighting these issues. I mean, the reason why those people, the reason why, you know the 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 african american community feels like they're being held down is because statistically speaking 
They are. And that needs to change. I the, agree. Maybe the media... Uh, do, like, kind of doing what you're saying is not the best way to help, but it, it... How else can you bring attention to the issue? The issue does not change if there's not attention brought to it. My, my point being is... I'm not necessarily trying to say that... What am I trying to say? I'm saying... it Maybe not necessarily even from a media standpoint, but just in general... Mm-hmm. When you tell people that, you know, they're never going to escape the, the troubles they've been in, mm-hmm. then they'll feel like there's no hope. Yeah. And they're just going to continue these trends of, it's like, well, why try, you know? Yeah. Well, and that definitely is true. There's a, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's self-fulfilling prophecy. And from somebody who has a psych background, I can tell you that it's very true. If you take... You know, they've done studies where they'll take, like, the SATs and they'll give them to kids. And uh, they'll do tests where you have to report your race before you take it versus after you take it. If you report your race after you take it, there's really no difference amongst all the races if you report it before. Asians do the best. Why is... Americans do next best. And then Hispanic and African people don't do as well. And clearly, it's a psychological phenomenon that happens with people because of the way that they're represented. The way that the media represents these people, the way that they're talked about. Um, It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy with exactly kind of... I mean, I think. I think. I'm not... I'm not a social psychologist. This is is based on opinion of... Yeah. I'm not a social psychologist, so I'm not... This this is not my area of expertise, but I have looked at at this stuff. Observational opinion. And what it does appear to be for that specific thing that I'm talking about is a self-fulfilling prophecy. These people are told, um, usually by, by sources that are not good... That that this is the way that it's expected to be, and so it ends up being that way. Yeah. Well, that's um, what I'm saying. Like once you negativity now, feeds negativity. Look, society-wise, and and I'm not trying to like feed into the phenomena that you're talking about wanting to diminish. But the thing that you got to understand about the reason why these people are so frustrated and feel like they can't get anywhere is because we've done a lot of studies of that stuff. If you, I mean, everything comes down to socioeconomic status, crime. Uh, I mean, that's, that's like, the biggest one. Uh, uh, like, drugs, uh, violence, basically any sort of, like, negative thing about a community comes strictly down to socioeconomic status of that community. And if you look at the places in cities, we're mostly talking about cities here. Sure. Um, if you look at the places in cities that have low socioeconomic areas, it is very much dominated by minorities. Um, and that is not their fault. These people are not given chances. Uh, they do studies where they'll take... Um, I think I told you about this, but they'll do studies where they'll take uh, like applications and they'll put them into places and they'll put in names like Mike Smith and and stuff like that and they'll put... And they'll and they'll change up the qualifications of each of these, but they'll put they'll put names like Mike Smith and and you know like very white names like that. And then they'll put in names like Rose Garcia and you know just very clear minority names. And they will find that 
people with names like Mike Smith that have lesser qualifications will, will be hired a lot easier than people with names like Rose Garcia with higher qualifications. And that's not all, that's not necessarily me just saying like, you know, pure racism, definitely some, but it could just be even just like inherent. These people may not even mean to do it, but when you have things like that or, or just attitudes, when people look at people like institutional involuntary racism, these are the things that keep those people in the low socioeconomic areas. Um, and, uh, um, like just continue to feed these trends. And that's kind of what I say. Like, it's not necessarily a good a good thing to hear. You can't get ahead. But when that is the case, attention needs to be brought to it. I agree. You know, here's and another th- it needs to be changed. Right. Here's another thought, though, that you kind of just made me think about, too. With what you're saying, like you said, involuntary, you know, institutional yeah. racism. This could feed in the same aspect. So you have that side of it, and you have the minority side of it who who view both these things happening at the same time. I think there's another play at hand, and that is this idea that there's still just like this immense amount of racism, which I think, personally, this is just opinion, mm-hmm. I think there is much less than is than is uh perceived Mm -hmm. you know they they make it sound like it's just like so much of it out there and i'm not saying there's none of course there's some i just think there's there's a lot voluntary racism but i think that institutional racism is still very but being told but being like you know making it seem like there's so much more out there than there might actually be because i don't know this is just me saying this based on the people i know based on the people i've seen and listened to and not just you know, within our community, but, you know, in, in media, in, you know, the social zeitgeist in general, you Mm -hmm. know, just the popular, um, pop culture aspect, everything in that Mm -hmm. realm. Obviously I've obviously I've never been in, you know, to Philadelphia or to, you know, yeah, it's definitely like a, a, probably a little difficult for you know sure. two like white men in montana but, i agree that's but, why i'm trying to be very careful about you know mm-hmm. making this opinion i'm well, just that's saying why we said what we said in the beginning we're just talking opinions yeah here. i just feel like there's not as much as people as they're trying to like make it sound like and that doesn't help anybody because like you said the the even from the ass it definitely doesn't help the minorities thinking that you know everyone's out to get them Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't help the uh, job holders, the corporations, anybody like that who might have this, you know, involuntary reaction because now they think also, oh, there's all this racism out there. And like, I don't know. I just don't think that that helps psychologically with mm-hmm. them either. Well, it's hard because, I mean, what what do you what do you suggest then that we don't talk about it? Because it's it, hard. It needs to be. I think we, I think we should tell the truth. And yeah. make it not sound like that there's all these racists out there. Like, every white person's a racist and every, you know... Yeah. Or or even well, the opposite, you know, where black people don't like white people. Like, that's not mm-hmm. true either. Right. Well, like, and you know what I've said about that. Like, certainly, the solution to real problems related to race or related to sexism or anything, the solution is not reactive racism and sexism on the other side. 
And, and I can recognize that. But there needs to be some sort of solution. I know a lot of people really dislike um, affirmative action, which is um, kind of like where businesses are given uh, like tax breaks or rewards for specifically hiring uh, minority people, as I understand. I'm pretty sure that's affirmative action. Um, but it, it was, you know, the, these policies were put in place to try to fix this issue. And a lot of people might look at that as being reactive uh, racism or sexism or whatever. And it's kind of like a hard line to toe because you could say that, you know, you could say that that's against white people. But if we're not making an active change to it because it is institutional, then it's not going to change unless if there's an active effort, you know. And I agree, like, things need to change. I just think it doesn't help anybody when when you're even like like I said if you're white and and you're and it's projected that black people don't like white people that doesn't help anybody either right you know it just doesn't help anybody when you assume that the opposite race hates you you mm-hmm. know what I mean and it's I think it just should be more presented like I think I think more people want change and more people want to be accepting and accepted than mm-hmm. the opposite. Right, and I just think that needs to be projected more mm-hmm. than the than the opposite. I think something that would be really good, and I know that people are working on it, is um, to to just try to directly combat, uh, like these perceptions of minorities, whether it be uh, you know racial minorities or women or. Uh, minorities related to like sexual orientation and and, and all of it, all mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of times, you know, there like there needs to be an active effort to change those, and that's not to say to um, do any sort of counter racism or anything like that, but just kind of like for for example, some of the stuff that like the children's movies of like Disney has done lately Mm. where they've tried to be more inclusive, you know, or even like in just like in shows or in cartoons or whatever to, to try to like actively have roles that have been dominated by white people, just have other people in those roles. You know, there's nothing that harms a movie by having a black person being the CEO of a, of a company. Sure. You know, and, and if, we can make it and it would take some effort but what i'm what i'm getting at is that if we can make it be more of a thing where that's just a an easily perceivable thing then the institutional racism will go away i mean i think we're definitely on we're a, trying a track with forward, it, you know so. and and it's going to take some time like i mean just just like if you think about a doctor like a uh a medical doctor if you just try to imagine one in your head like i guarantee you what you're going to see is a white man mm. generally speaking it's what you're going to usually see. i think honestly of like an indian person do you well yeah india comes out with a lot of doctors i gotcha but i was but, just well, thinking of that's just... hard that's another thing that's hard here because of course we're a very low mm. diversity place but so. most people do all my They've doctors done... have been white men yes yeah they do i mean they do studies like this you know and if you were you know let's say um, a person is talking to a therapist. Describe these people. And usually the therapist is an older white man, for example. 
you know, or, or psychiatrist or doctor or surgeon or, or whatever. Um, whereas if you say um, a student raises their hand because a teacher uh, asks them a question, describe these people, you know, then you get a woman more often than not. You know, and 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 it's stuff like that 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 can be combated. You know, just by having the the characters in a show where the the doctor is is a woman is a is a Hispanic woman. You know, to because right now there's a lot of people that just kind of look at that and they're kind of like, that's not what I expected at all. You know, and I mean that that's the kind of stuff that I think can be combated and could be effective at changing and i'm not trying to say that the people who do describe those situations in that way are racist it's just it is a product of years of seeing that well Mm -hmm. it's not just and and it's what contributes to institutional racism people who are or people who have institutional racism ingrained it's it's different than saying that they are racist I agree. You know, they're not I, I know, I know racist people. And I've had issues with it. I remember, like, when I came up here to Billings as a 12-year-old boy from Cody, Wyoming. Cody, Wyoming has a population of 8,000. And they're a small town with small town attitudes. It's not at all false for me to tell you that when I moved up here, I had never seen a black person live right i've certainly seen them on tv and stuff but i had never actually like i had never like been able to just look at a black person and so when i came up here and i and i did start seeing some black people i was like that is awesome Hmm. you know and then i went through this this phase of like where i wanted to be extra nice to them to show them that i'm not racist which is which is racist yeah you know because it's like try it's it's the same concept as like you know somebody in a wheelchair trying to just like overcompensate for their disability when mm-hmm. they just want to be treated like a regular yeah. person i mean yeah. don't treat them like there's so, something out of yeah. this world the thing is is that if you if you treat you know if you treat a minority poorly it's because you're noticing that they're a minority. Yeah. If you treat them really, really nicely, it's because you're noticing that they're a minority. Right. You know? Yeah. And that that was the issue, and I had to learn that. For sure. You know? Um, I kind of want to steer off the race. I mean, that was a great, great discussion. I, I Yeah. I just want to kind of get into some other topics, too. Yeah, for but sure. But definitely a great, to- great convers- uh, discussion there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I just I just don't want the whole episode yeah. to be. I don't mean to come on here and like. No no no! I thought it was great. Bring on the like the the topics that are tough. No, that's what I wanted. Like that's the t- stuff people want to hear anyway. So mm-hmm. and speaking of, I'm gonna add another like hot topic, mm-hmm. and this can just be for discussion, or we can analyze it from a psychological aspect because I do think it has implications beyond, um, like the higher, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh pop culture aspect Mm -hmm. so cancel culture a big Mm -hmm. thing that i've strongly been against but i want to know where the line gets towed so there's been some big ones recently of course and i'll name a few so so very recently um gina 
Oh, I can't remember her last name. The one that the one that was on the Mandalorian. Yes. So it starts with a C. Yeah. I I was trying to remember it for the show and I couldn't remember. Gina. I I'm not even gonna pretend like I remember. Yeah. So there was her. Um, it's Gina Carano. Carano. Yeah. So Gina Carano is one recently. Um, Marilyn Manson. Have you read the stuff about him though? Yes. Dude is. But messed up. But let's 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 open it up. Mm-hmm. Um, Army Hammer. I don't know if you've heard of this one. Army Hammer yeah. is another mm-hmm. one, and mm-hmm. Morgan Wallen. Mm-hmm. So these are four ones that happened within the last two weeks. Now I want to break them down a little bit and kind of just figure out where the line gets towed on these. Mm-hmm. So let's start with Gina Carano. I and in all of these cases. I mean, I'm going to be as open-minded as I can. Mm-hmm. I, I, I probably disagree with all of them in some sense. Mm-hmm. But because I just think the can- I just think you have to do something really fucking bad to have your whole career. Yeah, to have your brand destroyed. Yeah. And, and I, I just think in a lot of these cases, there needs to be a level of forgiveness and... Well, and I, I certainly agree with that as well. I think that there are there's some things I don't I don't know a lot about all of those cases. I do know about the Gina Carano one. Okay. And and here's what I'm gonna say on that one. It has been known for a long, long time that if you don't want this to happen to you, just don't talk about but, the Holocaust. Okay. Well, okay. Don't well okay, not not so much don't talk about the Holocaust. Don't compare anything to the holocaust it's a bad idea it is a bad idea people get people get the hammer for it all the time so to sit here and say i don't get to talk about my political beliefs and that's an awful lot like the holocaust i mean the holocaust there is nothing like the holocaust besides maybe what happened in uh, in in the soviet union because actually more people died there but it wasn't as racially charged. And I agree with what you're saying. Like, it seems like a dramatic comparison. Mm-hmm. Is it worth her losing her job over? Uh, you know... Because they, they called it anti-Semitic. I don't see how that's anti-Semitic to make a comparison. Mm-hmm. I mean, and she, okay. she's been very... She's been what very... They, um, what they say is anti-Semitic about it is that it, it trivializes what... what like the Jewish people went through during that time. Because I, what's going on now is nothing and I like what happened in the Holocaust. And and I think what she's trying to say is that the things that led to the Holocaust are comparable because a lot of conservative people recognize that their attitudes are a dying breed. When when the baby boomer generation goes out and the millennial generation comes in, conservatism is an endangered species. And, and and they do feel like they're being persecuted for their beliefs. I don't really know what to say on that, but they do feel that way. And so and they and they feel like Jewish people were persecuted for their beliefs during that time too. But still we're talking about the right. Holocaust. It's definitely an extreme comparison. I don't disagree with with the thought. I do think being a Republican in today's age there's a bit of a target on your back. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of sucky for anybody like hey we say it all the time your beliefs your religion 
all of this, you know, your political beliefs, your religion, you should be free to have those. Mm -hmm. You should never be felt made to feel bad for what you believe. Yeah. And I get what she's saying. Granted, yes, I agree. It was a, a very dramatic comparison. I just don't see why her like losing your yeah. job and she's she's made controversial, you know, statements and being a Republican in in uh Hollywood is definitely not easy. Mm-hmm. I just think it's I don't know. Honestly the best and here's, thing here's, to here's do my is... biggest thing of it. Sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. But my biggest thing of it, there's this giant push for strong female, you know, characters. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, but unless you unless you have a being a woman, though, I know. Like, don't don't I, start like muddying the water here. If if no, if I know what you're saying. Somebody else had said this and was a dude. If it had been like Bradley Cooper, he would have gotten the same. I agree. Treatment. I'm just saying it seems a bit. Like I said, this. I understand what you're saying. So she she came out. She was brave as a woman and and said her views and got the hammer for it. Yeah. I mean, when I say the hammer, I mean like the ban hammer. She's been banned, and, and you know, in all honesty, um, it, it's almost it's almost nice to know that because she's a woman, she didn't get you know a a, a softer treatment than somebody else. Mm-hmm. But it just seems odd. It, it, I'm just saying from the Hollywood aspect, they're trying to push for a lot of stronger female characters, which I'm fine with. But then it's great. like unless her opinion doesn't jive with ours. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't know. Don't muddy the water here because it's not about her being a woman. Sure, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't. I don't know how much I agree that it applies to this specific case. In the end, I just don't think that it was mm-hmm. worth her losing her entire job. Yeah, well, and that's the thing too. Like, it's not like that was the natural order of things. Lucasfilm decided to cut ties with her yeah. because they didn't want they didn't want that for their brand. And they're perfectly allowed. And, and dude, her career's not over. I know. She just got a film deal with Ben Shapiro. Well, yeah. I saw that, too. <laughs> but it's... It, yeah. She definitely didn't get the total axe. I know her, her agency dropped her. It just... Ten, so, that's just one thing. Now... Yeah. I, I don't know a whole lot about the Army Hammer thing. Um, the Marilyn Manson thing... Okay, look. Manson... The thing that happened with Manson had to happen. Because the dude was abusive. We can't... You can't let that be okay. Well, they took his career from him because after finding out the kinds of things that he has done to women, you cannot... You can't continue celebrating a person like that. Explain for anybody who doesn't know, because I don't honestly know the full extent. Okay, so I read an article about it, and, like, honestly, like, some of it was kind of starting to make me sick. Like, he... He was very now, like, physically, sexually abusive towards women. Okay. Now, okay. Once again, something that really matters here is that this is all based on things that were said. Mm-hmm. But when you have so many reports that corroborate with one another, you, you you have to you have to lay or you have to kind of decide something somewhere, you know. And there were things like he would. Um, it's really hard because I can't remember some like, you don't have to give some of the really really details. big things. But it was it like like what, basically it just came down to a lot of physical and sexual abuse. Okay. One of the biggest things that I do remember, just to give you an example, so that we can so that I can uh, like lend credence to how I feel about this, was that like he he had a, he, you know he's had a few wives and and one of them 
talked about how he, when he was upset with her, he would lock her in a closet for hours while, uh, like in, in the bedroom closet and then make her listen to him entertaining other women, you know? So we're talking physical, psychological abuse and kind of like encroaching on sexual abuse as well. There was a lot of other things about literal sexual abuse, okay. rape, you know, See, I, and things I like I was very that. unaware of a lot of these details. But. So, I mean, Marilyn Manson has done things to a level. I think that this is a person, this is a broken person who needs a lot of help. You know, he, he wrote an autobiography years ago and proved that he would, you know, in his autobiography, he described breaking a bottle over his mother's face and, and cutting her with it. He talked about a, he himself, um, talked about an ex-wife that he used to have that he still to this day uh, uh, fantasizes about crushing the skull of with, with a sledgehammer. He talked about how him and several of his friends hatched a really complex murder plot against her and they were going to go with it but the people that he was going to that that were going to do it with him got cold feet and decided not to and he felt robbed because he felt like he had the right to end another human life and the fact that he didn't get to do that was unjust i thought well and some of this may just be his shock rock right like, and i was going to say i don't necessarily now granted i don't condone anything if these are accurate allegations mm -hmm. here's the thing that i don't like also though is and i hate to say it because you know i i want to believe people who who uh, report these things yes, happening to them but you can't it's just you cannot be guilty until proven innocent mm -hmm. i just and and i do know this he had he did one woman came out and said who was with him for like eight years and said that that doesn't sound like him yeah so he has so if you have somebody who on the other side is defending you who was a girlfriend of yours or wife or whatever for eight years saying that that's not that you same woman said that there were issues just that though like some of the very specific things described she said did not match my experience with him sure. so she wasn't saying no like there's no way she she purposefully left leeway there i do have to say too like and i'm not excusing anything mm -hmm. if you're a girl like if you're a woman and you're gonna be with marilyn manson isn't it almost expected that he's gonna be kind of a freak i yeah, mean i mean I, this, clearly, this doesn't excuse yeah, no i understand i understand um and i mean i think yes but being a freak and and being abused or in being I, an abuser is is course, different things, you know. I just think it's pretty like I don't think anybody's totally shocked by this. Yeah, I mean, coming I, from him. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I mean, I think people generally hoped that Marilyn Manson was a character, and and yeah. and, and the person I can't remember his name now. I had it in either. the article, but you know, and and that person, the actual human behind the Marilyn Manson caricature, was not. A freak. The problem is that he is actually a total freak. You know, given that these things are true, yeah. which, when you do look at all of this stuff together, it makes a very convincing case against him. And that's really, in the end, when we're talking about this stuff, that's all that you have to go on. I understand. Well, especially when it's like you said, if there's a record label yeah. that says this does not jive with what we. Yeah. 
again though so here's here's let's just give a a what if mm-hmm. in the event that these women come out and said hey this we lied this didn't mm-hmm. happen does he get redemption or i think in that case of course now how about an event that you know they can't prove any of this it's all just hearsay mm-hmm. well the thing with that is that that's that we're talking legal things here. Like Marilyn Manson is probably going to face trials for this stuff in which they are going to look for evidence. If there is no evidence, he gets acquitted. But as far as like losing his career, that's based on public opinion. Your career is built on public opinion. And and you know that because you, you know, you make music yeah. and, and you and you go and do shows. But nobody is going to book you if they decide that you're toxic to their brand. And that is perfectly within the rights of anybody. If the pub station says uh you know, and that's that's just a place that does uh that does shows here. If the pub station looks at you and says like, look, we've heard horrible things about you and we don't want to be associated with you, that's perfectly fine. Also you can say the same thing to the pub station. If the pub station owner comes out and, and is a huge dickhead, then you can say, "Well, I don't want to play there." Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want them associated with my brand. And it, it makes sense. Um, I want to do the, like talk about Army, Army Hammer here too, because this is another. You're gonna have to. Yeah, I, I've heard of the name and I've heard that something happened, but I don't know what. So Army Hammer is a is an actor, highly attractive man, mm-hmm. uh, gets those kind of roles. Uh, came out somebody released uh text message threads of him talking so just to make a long story short apparently army hammer has a like corpse fetish or something like that or like he has (laughs) a weird fetish of like of necrophilia kind of like or or wanting to like mutilate you know mutilate people and like talks about eating flesh and shit like that now here's the problem you know something like this you know things like that here's the problem he's never done that Mm -hmm. it's all just talk it's all just like Mm -hmm. you know a, a, a sick weird fetish that he has like don't get me wrong it's weird i'm not into it i think you know yeah it's definitely crazy weird I don't but, think that that's worth losing your career right. over if that's all that there is. And so, so here, like I said, here's where you know the toying the line thing with the Marilyn Manson thing. I was not aware of a lot of the allegations. So, mm-hmm. and I, I, I could probably agree with you know it being a justifiable cancellation mm-hmm. in that aspect. Here's one that I disagree with highly. Like I said, none of this has happened. Yeah. And and there was an incident where he did cut a woman, but she wanted it. Yeah, which is weird, but it's it's. It's not worth canceling over if especially, she if she was fine with it. Especially you know? in a world where we're very like accepting of sexual ambiguity and and like yeah. So huh yeah that's really weird. I mean I'll have to look at it too. But I mean if it really if you if you know what you're telling me is true and you're just and it's just uh, things that he's said or whatever. I don't know if that really justifies what what has happened in that right. case. Um, I definitely agree with what you said though about you know. It is within the rights of these corp- of these like groups and people to to say whether or not they yeah, like associating with this person is good for their brand and that's really like that's the same thing that happened with Gina Carano. Yeah. Lucasfilm just looked at that and they said like look we we don't want to look like we support what you said here people don't like it you know I just and think for he- all you know like they could 
I, I, I know that this isn't the case in that specific right. uh, case, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, like, behind closed doors, they can still have a good relationship, but they can just say, like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, pu- like, the, the public attitude when it comes to Hollywood, <coughs> excuse me, um, defines everything. So you have to maintain a public image. And that does mean that you're going to be restricted with the things that you can say. The Army Hammer thing, if what you're telling me is the whole story... That's just I the think story as I know it. Yeah. I mean, if that's the whole story, that one's a little weird to me. For the Carano thing, it's been known for generations that you just don't make comparisons to the Holocaust. You just don't. Nobody likes that ever. You know? So just don't. Just don't do it. You can say conservative people in Hollywood get persecuted for their beliefs. I think that that is bad. And nobody's gonna nobody's gonna be mad about that. But if you say, this is like the Holocaust, all of a sudden everybody's like, ooh. Now, here, here's the real thing, more than anything. Mm-hmm. I can understand, you know, the... these corporations, these groups, um, making the decisions they do. Now, when when do some of these... When does it become acceptable to have forgiveness and where you can receive forgiveness? I think I think more than anything, that's the biggest yeah thing. Okay, I'm totally ready for this one because um, I have I have a couple of YouTubers that I watch, and I think that you and me talked about the one that got that kind of got oh Jared embroiled into the cancel culture, and it's pro Jared, and a lot of people found out about pro jared through this thing that happened and basically what happened was this two things happened at once his wife came out and basically attempted to like publicly execute him over twitter um by saying that he had been cheating on her and you know and and said all these horrible ways that he tried to cheat on her and, and how horrible of a guy he was for that at the same time two people came out and said he elicited nudes from them while they were minors and they put very small snippets of of text conversations now jared had some weird stuff he had a tumblr that was like an open forum for his fans to come in and share nudes of themselves i wouldn't do it because this is what caused the problems but he had these kinds of things so there's there some weird stuff he posted some of himself on that on that forum too and i think that that's a bad choice that sets you up for what happened to him so after this stuff happened he got banned uh he didn't get banned from youtube or anything like that but you know he ended up taking like like 10 months off and uh his subscriber count plummeted and a bunch of high caliber uh youtubers including pewdiepie h3h3 um made videos about about these allegations uh basically jeering him making fun of him adding to the public pressure to to cancel him so he was gone for 10 months and then he posted a pretty short maybe about a 10 minute video and he said now you're gonna hear my side i have the receipts he said and um he like one of the biggest things to combat was the uh the elic- you know eliciting new nudes from from minors well guess what he had the whole conversation and in the beginning of the conversation those people said that they were 18 he asked them specifically and they said that they were so they lied to him that stuff is over the, as far as cheating on the wife there was one specific girl that that 
that this kind of happened with. And he had a conversation from him and her talking about how they were going to have an open relationship now. And he had a conversation between his wife and this girl where the wife was telling the girl that she could come over and have this, this kind of relationship with Jared to the point where she was saying, I'll just come in through the back door. So I don't disturb you guys. I think this will be really good for him and really good for our relationship. So he came out and he basically took all of the allegations and destroyed them. And guess what? He has his career back. He's been making videos. His subscriber count has been going up. So to answer your question about where is the, where does forgiveness happen? Unfortunately, in these cases, is when you have when you have something alleged against you the burden of proof is put on your shoulders and that's what Jared did he proved himself innocent and i know legally speaking it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty clearly in the case of cancel culture the court of public opinion the court of public opinion is the opposite you are guilty until you are proven innocent which means that for these for these people that are getting accused of things the burden of forgiveness or the burden of proof is on their shoulders to prove themselves innocent. And from that point, forgiveness can be given. Hmm. That's a good point. That's kind of how I feel about it. Well, and I think, you know, in a lot of cases, time, time like, like, like in the event of like Louis CK and Crystalia, mm-hmm. which I think I told you the Crystalia case. Yeah. You know, it's like, <clears throat> there's no, there's no evidence of wrongdoing really. Mm-hmm. you know and it's like you i guess and they just chose to take time away to like mm-hmm. let the, let the air settle a little bit right and, and jared did that too he didn't come right out and say actually this stuff is all false look because it's gonna look bad right. you gotta let you gotta let the dust settle for a little bit it's it appears yeah um we're getting a little bit close to the end here we're running mm-hmm. a little long which is fine i i don't mind running long but I don't want to end it on on these notes necessarily. Yeah, there was a few other things I definitely wanted to get into, which we won't. And that's fine because then we'll just have you back. Yeah, um, I'll come back. Let's see. Would you prefer? Let's see. Okay, we'll end it this way. I was gonna. I wanted to tell some stories about maybe us, but we'll save it for next time because there's endless of those. <laughs> so many. So rather than that, like fifteen years, man. I know. Um, what I've been doing is having the guest because with my, with the messaging of the podcast, I always like to have some sort of positive message, some sort of like, whether it's specific to something you're dealing with or something you've dealt with mm-hmm. or something that you like, just really want to promote, mm-hmm. you know, as far as either, I don't know, positive messaging or, you know, cause I've talked about you know, financial, like trying, trying to, you know, I'm just trying to get different opinions or different like points of view. Cause mm-hmm. what's the point of having a guest on if I can't get your perspective on, on life and things that you want to, you know, say to gotcha. the, to the people as far as like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So is, is there anything, any specific message or any like just broad message that you want to give to the people who might be struggling with anything specific or, you know, on a broader level. I gotcha. Um, I was sitting there like scrambling to think of something that whole time that that's, you were asking that. Cause I knew where we were going with this. That's why I was trying to, yeah, kinda, no, it's all good. <laughs> cause I um, hate jumping. Cause what I used to say was 
you know, what's the biggest thing you've struggled with in your life and how did you overcome it? And that kind of throws people off and makes people like, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Maybe I might not do that one this time. Maybe I'll do that one next time, but I'm just going to say, um, I'll talk about something that's really working out for me right now that, that can probably be helpful to other people. And it's going to sound like I'm a broken record because people have heard this before, but I've been really committed to going to the gym lately. And you know, from being friends with me for 15 years that I'm all, I've always been the small guy, Mm -hmm. you know, I've always been like, like the little dude. Um, and so I've been doing this and I've been going to the gym for, uh, about a year and a half now. And, and it has just done wonders for my confidence, you know, because I can, you know, I can feel the difference in the mirror. I can see the difference. I think that it's no small feat to say that, you know, I, as a, as a five foot seven, 140 pound man can pick up 275 pounds on a deadlift. I feel pretty good about it, you know, and Mm -hmm. and I've, and I felt the difference i've been able to stand up for myself better to people like if people are rude to me i feel better at my job i can sleep better and it's just it's been a really big deal of something that i always thought that i would just hate doing dude like exercising previously has just sucked to me you know but now that i've kind of like made the mind muscle connection and can do it it's been super cool so if you know now that we're here you know, not like here in Billings, where we have the luxury of being able to go to a gym right now. Yeah. If people are looking for something new that might help boost confidence and make you feel better, help you get on a better regimen and do stuff, like don't count out going to the gym. I know it's hard for people. Find a friend. I've got a friend that motivates me. I don't know if I could do it by myself. Mm. Um, you know, find somebody that, you know, baby is struggling with some of the same stuff and and try to figure it out the the gym that i go to is called apex fitness and uh this is not a sponsored video that's all bug <laughs> yeah it's called apex fitness and the reason why i'm talking about it is because of all of the gyms that i know of it's got the cheapest subscription like or uh what do you say membership yeah cost it's like $23 a month or something it's really Damn. just it's really good and they've got everything they don't have like like the really really nice stuff like they don't have like a sauna you know and all this stuff like what they have is a cardio room and a weight room which honestly that's all i need that's all i need if right. you want to have all of the extra like community stuff of a gym then maybe it's not the gym for you but if you just want to like work out get healthier and feel better about yourself it's got everything and for a price that you can't beat so i don't really mean to like make this like hey, sound like a sponsored video no, or anything it. but like it's been it's been really good for me I like to promote local mm-hmm. local businesses and stuff like that too. I got you. And especially in a time like this, like health is important. Like it's good to be in tip top shape and health and mm-hmm. I mean that it helps your immune system and like you said, it helps your confidence, makes you feel better, just makes mm-hmm. you makes you feel better. I can be- tell you from a from a psychologic from somebody who nearly has a master's in psychology, your physical health really matters to your mental health sure it it makes a huge difference and i've noticed that i a few years ago was really dealing with stuff in the depression and anxiety realm most of us do and i still deal with it sometimes but that has been so regulating 
for me and I and I feel better like the day after I just went yesterday and I feel so good today yeah because of it that's crazy that you actually brought that you that that was the point of emphasis that you chose because I just got back on like a regular workout regimen for like the last two weeks Mm -hmm. I've been getting up early in the mornings and working out Mm -hmm. because after work I just can't like I'm just so for sure and but starting in the morning makes my whole day better Mm -hmm. like it literally I've worked harder. I mean, the endorphin release, you know. Yeah, it just it just makes the day just fly, and like you just feel so energy through the day. Mm-hmm. You're not like slugging along. So, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. It's a perfect one that you chose to talk about because I've been feeling the exact same yeah. thing. I know it's one that people hear a lot. You know, go work out, go to a gym, go you know, go hit the gym. But I mean, I got to tell you, as somebody who eventually decided to take that advice. It's been really good, mm-hmm. you know, and for more reasons than just, you know, because it's healthy. I mean, that is a thing, but it's been, it's felt very regulating in just a lot of ways. I've been trying to promote mindset too. So I think that's another thing with the gym is like, it's just a mindset. It's just, mm-hmm. just put it in your head that you're going to do it. And once you get doing it, yeah, you know, force yourself to do it. And then once you start feeling that result and seeing it, mm-hmm. it just becomes like, now I want. Like I said, when I look in the mirror and I see the difference of my body, like, it's really motivating. Sure. You know, and people have noticed. I had somebody that I work with, he's like, you've been putting on a lot of muscle lately. And I was just like, you just made my whole week. Yeah. You know? Well, when, you know when you find out that the, you know, the hard work you're putting in is, is paying off and, like, there's, there's results, I mean, it makes it worth it. Yeah. So... Totally understand. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Right on, man. Well, is there anything else you want to say or add or put out there? I got nothing. Go Tampa Bay. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> a, we'll, we'll go out the way we came in. Yeah. Go uh, Tampa Bay. Go Avs. Go Avs even more because, you know, Tampa Bay just won. So, go yeah. Avs. But also go Tampa Bay. I agree with it, with both of them honestly and eventually the broncos will do good too go broncos maybe someday (laughs) uh all right so yeah that's it that's all uh make sure to like share subscribe really trying to get the subscription base up so let's get that up trying to get to 100 yeah Uh, do it do it all right guys do it have a great week (laughs) be good to yourselves and don't forget as always life's a garden dig it